Hey everyone here and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. The show is myself and a guest and a Metallica song. And, you know, we discuss it at length. We discuss the guests' fandoms, their likes and, you know, maybe even dislikes sometimes of Metallica. We've been going strong for a long while now. This is like episode 102, I think, if I'm counting correctly or something like that. So, you know, we're getting there. The end is in sight. I think there's meant to be about 160-odd episodes of this thing. Who knows if we get a Beyond Hardwired EP coming out, we can extend it further. But yeah, if you want to come on the show like today's guest, get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, and I will let you know what's available. Patreon is always there if you want to give back to the show. I'm doing these episodes twice weekly now, so I have a lot more material to work with to just pop onto the Patreon for early access. So, yeah, if you want to give back to the Alpha Metallica machine and this is some episodes in the process, go onto the Patreon. Um, iTunes is there. Please leave us a review. All the things we always talk about, subscribe, comment, blah blah So we get to the day's guest, and, you know, it's been... The whole Metallica podcast thing is so great because there's so many of us, like, you know, um, I follow Pearl Jam podcasts as well, and they similar have had, like, quite a rapid mutation since the genesis of early ones. And there's, like, five or six now, including a category, well, two categories that Metallica don't really get explored in the podcast world. So they have one dedicated exclusively to live shows, which, okay, we do a lot of live show reviews and stuff like that. But one also, I think it's called habit is what it's called is basically about merch just rare to obscure posters and ticket stubs and 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 whatever and you know there is this giant family as i say so one of the things you get to know from metal your podcast especially are the cavalcade of characters that they have that both email into the show through correspondence and just that clint and ethan adopt themselves is wild the different personas that they occupy one of which is Danny Derryberry. Like, when the name got mentioned by email, uh, it stood out in an alliterative, fop-like sense. It was very intriguing, and, and the guys played with that. And, I mean, Danny, you became a bit of a meme of a Metallica fan in a good way early on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, that name has, has always served me, uh, you know, good and bad, uh, you know, for sure. <laughs> and yourself as a fan, then? like you know clearly a legit og like how far back are we talking uh you know i'm i'm really one of the probably most common stories of when i got in uh discovered metallica's music with one when it came on headbangers ball i was about i was about eight or nine years old when that happened and uh you know that that video didn't make me a metallica fan but it made me familiar more familiar with them when the black album hit is really when i jumped on board uh you know i think i was 11 when that dropped maybe 10 you know that's when i jumped on board and uh, there's there's been peaks and valleys and lulls there was you know a lot of stuff throughout the 90s where you know i'm a teenager and i'm finding different music and things so i'm not really obsessed with metallica you know there was there was just so much going on in the 90s to listen to uh that it was hard to at that age pick one thing as this is what i'm all about it probably wasn't until uh 2000 when uh apparently the brakes were about to come off the the car for metallica that i really became obsessed with them and uh you know they i kind of took them on as a real part of my identity, I guess. They're that sort of band, aren't they? That people just, I, I don't know, kind of like Pearl John that I mentioned before, like the Grateful Dead or something like that. Like 
they almost this lifestyle, this ideology, like that has so many disciples, Metallica, just all encompassing thing as a fan, isn't it? Absolutely, it, it really is, man. It's uh, it's it's crazy, uh, you know, especially to I think anybody who's who's ever been to a show, just one show of Metallica's, uh, they know they've seen something that is uh, just head and shoulders above anything else that they've probably seen, you know, and that it it, it inspires just a, a real, I don't know. It's a fire, you know, that, that you get pumped up at this show and you're seeing, you're seeing things played that you maybe never thought you would see played in really in, in person. You know, you may, maybe you grew up thinking that you'd never make it to a concert uh, to, to see these guys play. So yeah, I'm. I'm sorry if I trail off, Tom. No. You're going to have to troll your show because I just start talking. <laughs> and just before we kick into nothing else matters, which oh man, I'm I'm so glad we're doing this song today. Obviously, one of their masterpieces. Just before we get there, a uh, quick email from Ivan. Uh, you can always get in touch with MetallicaPod at gmail.com. I love reading out the emails. I wish I was in a John D. Rockefeller metal like your podcast like state where you have to donate to the show to get an email read mm. out there's so you know it's like beatlemania <laughs> over there but here we get one every five to six weeks and we are grateful so <laughs> thank you uh ivan he says hi tom i recently just discovered your alpha Metallica podcast by recommendation from another podcaster mike from the faith no more podcast podcast croissant now i just want to give a shout out myself to mike mike hayes who came on the show we covered king nothing a little while ago and i do remember asking him as i always ask every guest as i'll ask you today danny like you know if you were to do a podcast on a band and i'm pretty sure that he said faith no more and i'm really glad that that's came out into the world he says let me say that i really enjoy the format and the level of nerdiness with which you and the various guests dissect each individual metallica song at this point i'm catching up with the podcast backwards and just heard you saying in the episode on the recent north carolina concert that you still haven't gotten anyone to express interest in discussing seek and destroy with you so let me tell you my story of metallica fandom and what seek and destroy meant to me and you be the judge if i'm a worthy guest or perhaps a contributor to the narrative now um obviously ivan is going to come on the show for seek and destroy and you don't necessarily have to prove your worth of a song, by the way, like Ivan did. And I have <laughs> cut down the email slightly. We'll sort of get into it in our individual episode. But just to get into the story, and I should say, dear listeners, I always love hearing uh, the story about how people got into Metallica, the different eras, the different ways. You know, maybe it was LimeWire or maybe it was the uncle's vinyl or whatever. So in Ivan's case, says, I'm a 40-year-old guy from Bulgaria and discovered Metallica in 1990. I can say that if it weren't for them, I don't know if I would have ever got into music and into playing instruments. I still play in a metal band to this day. And to some level, I owe it to Metallica. They were the beginning for me. Some context of the times I grew up with. Until 1989, Bulgaria was a communist country and the closest ally of the USSR in Eastern Europe. Western music, and especially rock and roll and metal, was pretty much forbidden. Even the Beatles. In the 1960s, people were being sent to labor camps for listening to the Beatles. And there were no legal and commercial available of recordings of rock music until 1989, with rare exceptions. Rock music entered the country via truckers on their way back from the West. Ordinary folks could not leave the country. It was a prison. So the years 89 to 90 I remember as a tremendous upheaval and opening to western culture my luck also coincided with a peak in heavy metal and heavy rock those were awesome years for metal and we were getting the previous three decades of rock dumped on us all at once after briefly dabbling with the likes of Queen Def Leppard and Roxat as a 12 year old kid I was introduced to metal and the first full album I ever recorded on a cassette was Kill Em All I will never forget the thrill of discovering this music a part of me was telling me that I was doing something wrong that I'm not a bad person and shouldn't be listening to all these evil songs on the other shoulder I had a little devil that was telling me this music's 
speaks truth. This is for you. Give it a chance. Then and there, I knew that I would be a metalhead for life. I remember my dad was a bit disappointed in me when he found me listening to Seek Destroy, although he was a Sabbath and Zeppelin fan. My mom commented that this music is old. I told her that it's right. The music from 1983. For me, seven years was an eternity. I was only 12. So, I mean, Ivan, thank you for that. And again, if people want to get in touch, metallicapod at gmail.com and we will be tackling Seek and Destroy in, you know, a few months, maybe. Uh, two or three months. So definitely look out for that episode. Nothing else matters. Danny, you spoke about being in the eye of the storm when the Black Album launched and that was kind of your era. This is just a jewel amongst the crown, isn't it? Like an amazing song on such a complete record. It really is. Uh, you know, I know it's not, uh, you know, maybe one of the quote-unquote cool songs to love of Metallica is, you know, there's there's been some vitriol heaved at the Black Album and, and, and in particular this this song and, and Inner Sandman, which is, you know, those are arguably their two most well-known songs. Uh, everybody knows these songs. And uh, I think Nothing Else Matters is uh, just, it's, it's just one of those songs that... Uh, Everybody knows it. it. It involves everybody when you go see them live. Uh, seems like anyone who grew up in my era, in this area, probably had this song playing in their car, you know, in the backseat with their girlfriend. This this was one of the songs that, you know, a macho high school kid could get away with, with playing in in his car, you know, and not some kind of pussy, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's one of the ultimate heavy anthems. It is, it is. Getting into the song then, I mean, one of the most iconic intros of the band, you know, up there with Enter Sandman or Master of Puppets, like such a delicate arrangement, quite quite spooky and magical, but respectful and solemn. It just has a really ethereal vibe. Absolutely, yeah. And it, and, and I think it's, it's one of uh, Hetfield's, shining moments as a musician Mm. uh it really showcases everything that he can do outside of just the unbelievable riffs that you've heard him play it before that you know like a lot of hetfield stuff like a lot of metallica stuff it's deceptively simple like i remember like do you play guitar at all you musician in any way danny uh i'm a hobby player Mm -hmm. and uh collector you know i I dabble. I I do know. Uh, I do know how to play this song ish. Yeah. Uh, it's it's it is challenging because I I'm not a hybrid picker of any kind. So it's it's challenging to to play it the right way. I can play the separate parts uh, <laughs> all separate, but playing them together is a bit of a challenge for me. But I mean, you'll appreciate then that the intro that dun 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 dun. It's literally open strings. Like I First remember learning I it. As a, I remember learning it as a kid. And I was like, "This is audacious! How are they getting away with this?" I know, literally I know. Play, but it works. Like. <laughs> it's like walk. You yeah. know, the one of the that's maybe the most simple riff in the history of metal, yeah. and right up there amongst the greatest. You know, so it, you can't argue something that's simple and uh, and easy for for anyone to to pick up on and and maybe relate to right literally it's open one and it's crazy it is the basis that can be but it's all feel and 
you know, Hetfield, again, very simple. Even the um, the sort of sliding power chord structure. Dun, 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 dun. That's very, that's just, you know, it's the same shape. Absolutely. And move down a tone. Like, if you, if you see it on the fretboard, it kind of sounds a lot more complex than it actually looks. And you learn this when you're playing it. But that's not to say it doesn't have a trickiness to it. It doesn't have a mercurial nature. Um, I think it's very, very beautiful, actually. Uh, you know, I really oh, love, and I love the, the uh, I love the B side of the single that has uh, the uh, the heightened symphonics that Michael Kamen did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, I think it's I think it's a great rendition of the song. I think it's actually better than when it was performed with the symphony. Uh, the original recording with Michael Kamen's additions, with the volume turned up more, so you so you could really hear all that was going on yeah. in it. I think it's a great rendition of the song. Yeah, and that, you know, I've learned this, like listening closer with headphones for the show and having a bit more of a discerning ear than just normally just putting the songs on, whatever. And there's such delicacies in Cayman's work and it really benefits the track, I think. It's not kind of strong-armed in, like it makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The way the song builds as well, the way it's constructed is know masterful um the backing of the guitar the so close no matter how far is you know how it's been established to be and like never open myself this way has that kind of that kind of high beeping guitar and then the trust i seek has the um you know the picking sequence beneath it that gives it more of a frost it just keeps going forward and going forward and then never care for what that's a kind of nice release it's just ultimate really it's just this was the obviously album that broke them in so many ways unlike any other album really you need a ballad okay i had two ballads but i prefer nothing else matters over unforgiven and i think it's just a it's just a a masterpiece for out well you know this song i think what this song does is it it captures something that metallica has been so good at doing their entire career is taking something and making it vague enough with the lyrics that it can be broadly applied to any situation, anything that might be going on with you out there. And I think that's, I think the lyric, the lyrical content of this song is what makes it such a great song. You know, it's, 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 it's essentially at the time it was a love letter, you know, from James to his girlfriend and it's it's kind of become Metallica's love letter to the fans. You know, it 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 really kind of lays out everything that Metallica, not not just James, but Metallica has always been about. Mm. You know, they've always they've always done things their own way, whether it was the right way or maybe in some people's opinions the wrong way. They've always done it the way they wanted to do it. And I think this song, it, it, it really, the way the lyrics are set up, it encapsulates that perfectly. Yeah, you're right. And the lyrics are vague, but quite concrete and satisfying, forever trusting who we are. Uh, life is ours, we live it our way, you say as well. You know, you can find whatever meaning you need in these things. Hetfield's voice is terrific throughout you know, really, it is unbelievable, and it's still very soft and whispered at times, and in- incredibly devotional. And I think they really, you know, pull it off with a plum. 
One of the you know things that I like as well is in the verse how the main riff is always tapered to that do 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 that three two o you know that uh, the way yes. they kind of seal the end of it just gives it a nice bouncy motion doesn't feel as lethargic as some kind of ballads of this ilk can be like you know I've never really been a Motley Crue fan myself but I watched the Dirt recently I'm generally just interested in band histories apart you know especially from that era so sure. I have been going back and listening to their records and they do suffer quite a few ponderous road ballads and you know this one is anything but i think this is elite i mean i think it's it's not something that that metallica had always done with their ballads was keep them on the very dark and hopeless kind of feel to them with with welcome home with fade to black there's no hope in those songs you know as far as the lyrics go uh but this one i felt was nothing else matters is is a very hopeful song the the way again going back to what it's to, to what it's saying with the lyrics it's 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 vague enough but it, it has a very positive vibe to, to what they're saying you know band saying to me, trust they seek and they find in us, you know, and that, that's that's how that's how this song really hits me. The way the song is constructed is just fantastic. I mean, we have the uh, instrumental interlude as well. New, 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 new. Yeah, very close together and subtle and kind of ends bluesily as well with some double stops. I really like the way it ends. It doesn't end in a mannered way. It ends just a kind of solo line um, building up into, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it, one of Metallica's best ever guitar solos the stool kicker man oh this is God. the stool kicker it's it's magic yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. is very singable like, i've always said this like you know think of people like slash for example or whatever the solos are very hummable they're very catchy very you know ve- very passionate it reminds me a lot of the master solo the master interlude solo makes similar use of those bends like um i don't know i i, I love songs in general the end of a giant guitar solo look at like uh, tunnel of love by die Straits on night train um by guns and roses and nothing else matters is is no different you know and it it, it feels right with popper head at the helm i think he did better than kirk may have ever done yeah i, I mean uh i love kirk yeah. uh his his style he he He's that other sound of Metallica that when you hear him, you know what band you're hearing. Same way with James. When that riff hits, you know, my wife is is not a Metallica fan. Uh, she's familiar with them. Sure. Before we became acquainted, she was familiar with them. But uh, even she knows when a song, when that first riff hits, oh, that's Metallica. And I feel like Kirk's the same way. You can't. You just can't have some of that magic that they that they've had through the years without that without that sound and what he brings to the band. But I do agree this this solo. I feel like this album has the two greatest solos that Metallica has ever recorded. This being one of them and Unforgiven being right. the other. I really feel that, you know, they were they were flexing their muscles and, and and basically saying that, you know, this is everything that we've learned over the past 10 years. And now everybody's going to hear it. We're going to package it in a way that everybody's going to hear this stuff. And we're going to show them exactly 
how good we can be. And I think these two songs, uh, as far as the solo goes, you, you can't touch them. No, no. Instantly memorable. So powerful. Serves the song, you know, just adds to the epic finish at the end as it resolves back into the you know motifs. And Tom Quee, that's what it is, man. Mm. It's 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 not how technically sound is is your uh, solo. How hard is it to play? That's you know. I think there's a big confusion there sometimes. Uh, Lars has to you know he's he's dealt with it his whole career. Lars isn't really a great drummer. Well, can you sing any of his drum beats? Because if you can he's probably a great drummer mm-hmm. and and same goes for these, you know, for these solos, they might not. Yngwie Malmsteen isn't playing these songs. Yngwie Malmsteen also isn't playing to, you know, 70,000 people at a sold out stadium. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you can call that however you wish, but it is what it is. Yep. No, that's completely true. And as always, we open it up to you guys on the Twitter at Metallica pod. Uh, master of pun saying of nothing else matters an absolute masterpiece the woodstock 99 version is the greatest version of it michael saying i know this this is one that most diehards have gotten sick of over the years but it's one of their most nuanced and lyrical songs with brilliant dynamics i haven't stopped loving it cringy saying my wife surprised me at my wedding by walking down the aisle to this song so it's definitely a special one for me smarty says fantastic song Fred N says i know it's a huge departure from their previous albums but it's an absolute classic pure hetfield the build-up to the solo at the end is great and the intro is instantly recognizable as we've said ralph saying this song is also special to me because uh, me and my wife use it as our wedding song it was supposed to be the s&m version that sounds dirty does that sounds dirty doesn't it? he says but someone aka me used their special power of to ignore others at precisely the wrong time to pick the studio version instead classic metallic song on the live staple since they started touring the black album a love song by the band was definitely a first they haven't really made anything like it since it was really quite a risk on an lp that definitely one of my favorites and finally jack saying an absolute classic sure it's overplayed but the production harmonies still make it stand out in 2019 also one of the best ballad guitar solos ever he asks so i would certainly agree i've always liked james's solos he captures emotion and melody so much better than kirk and his five wah pedals um danny any closing thoughts on nothing else matters uh no like i said i I think uh you know i think this was this was metallica i I still view it as a song that they performed for the fans to the fans Mm -hmm. uh and uh I think this was James's he, – he was really – he was starting to get into that 90s really raw nerve emotion that, you know, we would see in, in Load and Reload that really dealt with – I think he was dealing with a lot of his uh, his problems from his upbringing and, and his mom dying and his dad leaving and, and all that stuff. You know, I think this was, this was just the start of uh, – of Hetfield really letting go and and kind of letting the fans in on 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 his emotions, you know. Obviously, an incredibly popular song. It's currently first on their most streamed on Spotify. It's actually second in terms of ranking, but first, I think three hundred eight million streams it's had. And obviously, you know, this sort of thing existed before Spotify as well. And it's been on albums and everyone fucking knows this song. One of their most played live songs at the time I was recording this. I played it 1,198 times live. They wow. first, I know. They first, that's mad, <laughs> isn't it? They first performed it on March 2nd, 92 in Cincinnati, Ohio. They last performed it just on, just over two weeks ago, March 13th at Grand Rapids, Michigan, 20, 2019. You know, it's 
on live shit. It's on fan cans, S and M, Guitar Hero. You know, they've played it fucking everywhere. It's it's one of their you know, stone cold classics, isn't it? This is it's such a part of the band. This song, it is, it is, and and you know, uh, the two songs again. Uh, you can't you can't argue the greatness that is Inner Sandman. Whether you're whether you're oh, yeah. tired of hearing it or not, you know it. If you're tired of hearing something, that means that everybody's been listening to it for a very long time. So you can't argue that. But uh, this this song, there's there's just a there's just a different uh, there's a different feeling. It's it's, it's not as uh, maybe commercially acknowledged as much as, as inner Sandman is. And maybe, you know, cause people hear inner Sandman at football games and, and, right. and all that. And it, it often gets dismi- dismissed as being, uh, almost comes off cheap, I guess. But that this song really never has that attached to it. I feel. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. It's not really overplayed. You're right. Despite its popularity. And I've, I've always liked the video as well. I mean, we've covered that on previous episodes, but, the, you know, the making of Jason's old lady hair, the kind of intimate confines of the studio. We'll wrap up with a few quickfire questions, Danny. What is your favorite Metallica song? Oh, I, I probably, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, that question. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it's like, what am I listening to right now? I, but, uh, you know, I, I would say overall, if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Master of Puppets, um, you know, just because that was one of those songs that I had heard it before. I didn't realize what it was I was hearing. Uh, so when I so when I went to go through the back catalog, I I heard that and I was, and that was something I recognized. And then obviously as a as a 12 year old. I recognize this song. I'm going to rewind this cassette tape over and over and over and listen to that song over and over. And, and, and I did. And uh, so it probably sticks out as, as my favorite. Yeah. Best album of theirs? Black. Yeah. There's job. It's not, uh, I, I love them all, but uh, you know, my favorite album is justice without a doubt, but uh the Black Album is probably their best album. Favorite member? You know, I, I'm I'm like everybody else. I'm a huge James fan. Uh, yeah. Don't emulate myself for him. Uh, I, I I was drawn to him when I became obsessed with the with the band. Mm-hmm. Finding out everything I did about him, you know, I I live in in uh, Oklahoma and very rural upbringing and and outdoors and and that's where a lot of my interests lie and and uh, so that really kind of drew me to him in the beginning, not well, you know, aside from him just being the man on stage. But uh, Jason runs a close second, man. He really does. That's my Metallica. That's James and Jason is, is my Metallica. I, I went around for Cliff and I know he was, you know, yeah. the Randy Rhodes of, of <laughs> bass playing without a doubt. Uh, appreciate everything he brought to the band because I, it, it's doubtful that they would have been able to do early on what they did. I, I can't believe uh, at in their twenties, these guys are writing the things they're writing, but, uh, but Jason is really uh, close, close number two. Cause he was, he was the dream come true 
for a fan like me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it is remarkable. It is just a fairy tale that went right and wrong. But yeah, the fact that he got the opportunity in being the one headbanging in front of Cliff and yeah, all those years ago. So um, what about seeing them live? How many times have you seen them? I've seen them five times live. Uh, honestly, my uh, the best show that I've seen is uh, it was Worldwide at AT&T Stadium uh, in in Arlington, Texas, 2000. Was that 16? Uh, might be 17, but yeah, around that era. Yeah, yeah 16 or 17. And uh, that, that, that stadium show was just unbelievable. They were in the middle of, of their uh, United States tour, so they were really in the pocket, uh, hitting everything. Uh, it was perfection. They, they played everything for perfect. Kurt didn't mess up. Uh, over three times, maybe, you know, he was, Kirk was having a great night. Everybody was just on. Uh, I saw him most recently in Tulsa, Oklahoma at uh, the first show of, uh, of this leg after, after the holidays, it was not the same. <laughs> they, they were, yeah, Phil was, uh, he, he was carrying around a little holiday weight and, you know, they maybe weren't as tight as they were at the, at the Arlington show, but yeah. Still, still a great show. Still Metallica. I'm, I'm not dogging them at all. They're, they came out and played their songs, and they, they put on a great show. They don't know, they don't know any other way. And where else did you see them? Um, I saw them in, in Oklahoma City. Uh, Godsmack opened for them. I believe that was in, it might have been 04, 05. I can't remember. And then I saw them again. Their first summer sanitarium show. Uh or not show, their first summer sanitarium tour down in uh, Irving, Texas. And that, that was a good show, uh, even though Hetfield wasn't there. <laughs> he, that was the one where he hurt his back on yeah. the jet ski. <laughs> but it, it was a cool show. You got to see uh, – I know, I know everyone, everyone just derides new metal and everything about it, but, you know, I was, I was 20 years old when, when that scene was really hot, and – that's the the metal that that I love, uh, you know, as far as what I got to experience firsthand. You know, I, I got to see Corn play. I got to see bands like Limp Biscuit, and uh, you know, people can say what they want, but those crowds were nuts for those bands. And to see them play on stage with Metallica was it was a really cool thing. You know, yeah. we, we witnessed something a little bit different than the norm so it was cool and then got to see metallica at a later date so you know it was all good and uh, finally if you do a podcast like this about a band who would you like to cover well you know i'm i'm in the idea stage right now of a podcast i I, and i know i I just have to say to to you to clinton ethan to uh you know any of the other number of people I listen to. There's a lot of guys out there. Yeah. uh, You know, but I I respect what you do. There's, there's a lot of work and time and effort that goes into it. And uh, you know, when you're, when you're releasing shows the way that you do, the way that Clinton Ethan do, you know, people are expecting that material to listen to. And you've got pressure on you to make that time. So I appreciate that. And, uh, and, Love what you guys do. I just wanted to say that. But, uh, you know, I think uh, right now I'm in the idea stage. There's there's so many out there for really 
all the bands that I like and uh, except for ACDC because there's just there's there's no info out there on ACDC there there's yeah. they're always yeah. that that last mysterious band that we have you know we're thinking about maybe doing particular albums of the 90s what what I agree and you know maybe dip into some of that some of the stuff from the 80s you know maybe maybe go and uh and, and and get a little self-deprecating about what hair metal we used to listen to things like that uh but uh if i had to pick a band it would probably be it would probably be sabbath okay there's a few yeah, out there yeah yeah there's there's a few sabbath out there and and they're and they're good shows um but yeah if if i had to focus on one one group it it would be sabbath because there is a lot of uh there's a lot of meat on the bone there hell yeah hell yeah okay yeah there's plenty of room there definitely so maybe maybe an alphabetical song by song exploration of black sabbath there's a way there you go there you go there's a way to twist it so um yeah, we will be back. See, you're, set, you're setting yourself up, and, and you're going to have to come on a show now, Tom. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. I'm down, man. Yeah, any any awesome. anyone that's been awesome. on the show who needs me as a guest, yeah, by all means, I'm, I'm, there's, been loads. There's, a, there's an obscure Sabbath song I like off one of their terrible 90s albums called Get a Grip. Um, I don't know how I really yes. discovered it. You know, it just has a really cool riff, actually. Uh, classic yeah. Iomi, sort of forgotten one there. Uh, you know, people, people dog me all the time. My favorite Sabbath song... I say they told me all the time. They did at one time. I don't really, I don't really keep uh, with a lot of people anymore. Uh, but uh, my favorite song uh, by Sabbath is Psycho Man. I, I think the riffs in that song are outstanding. And uh, I guess finally then, Danny, any promo, anything you'd like to share on here? That people can get in touch or? Uh, no, not really yet, Tom, but uh, whenever I do, man, I would, uh, like I said, I'd love to have you on a show. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, just let me know time, place, and I'll be there. And if you guys want to come on Alphatalica, metallicapod at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch with me. Also, at metallicapod. Um, I'll put the songs up on there as well, like I did today. Ask for some feedback, read it out on the episode. So if you want to get in touch there, that's the best way to do it. Patreon, iTunes, all that sort of stuff. Let us know down below what you thought of. Nothing else matters. Get in touch with me with your thoughts on the song or anything else. Um, Danny, as always, it's been a treat, man. Thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, Tom. Always appreciate you, man. Hey.